0: returns his wrapped embraces and blessed is he.
1: Welcome to Labor and Love Radio. Saturday morning from 10 to 12 noon. Every Saturday. Labor and Love Radio where we tell you how it is. If one person got a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table the negotiating table, that is, where you work. You're on the menu. Never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. And today we've got a full list Last week was kind of confusing. I came and put on an old show. There was supposed to be a cleanup here at the station. Didn't seem like it happened. So we'll see what's going on with that. So today we've got, uh, well, we've got Easter. And specifically the Easter Rebellion of 1916 in Dublin. Dublin. We've got uh, International Workers' Day, right? May 1st, International Workers' Day. How, where, and why it came from. We've got Cinco de Mayo, celebration of a great victory over a foreign invader. We've got the Labor Beat. Stories from all over that affect working people. We've got radio labor. And as always, we've got <coughs> music of social significance. <clears throat> I want to start out today with our World Labor Report. This is from Radio Labor Activities all over the world. You are never alone if you stand up for yourself and your fellow workers. All over the world, throughout history, people have been doing the same. All right, well, before we get to radio labor, let's take a look at the labor beat, a couple of items from the labor beat. Number one is anti-union berries, OK? Uh, last show we honored the farm workers in their uh, attempts to, throughout history, actually, to make their lives and work better. The struggle goes on today. A company called Driscolls. Boycott Driscoll's, it says. We pay $7 a day at Driscoll's. We ignore rape cases. Finest blood and berries. Child labor, sexual assault, no union contracts. The message is very simple, huh? Don't buy Driscoll's berries. And I know Safeway has them. You might go in to your local Safeway and speak to the fruit guy or the the fruit woman, whoever it is, or the manager, and just say that you'd rather Safeway didn't handle Driscoll's berries. And that there are a lot of other people who feel the same as you. That's true. There are lots of people who feel the same as you. Okay, here we go now with Radio Labor. We'll go back on the labor beat after the
2: This is Solidarity News
3: on Radio Labor.
4: This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, May third, 2019. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, a global union is fighting for press freedom. The millions of jobs which could be created by a care economy. The Labor Start report about union events and rapping.
5: This ain't no commercial break, my friend. Unions are the peeps who brought you the weekend. Probably never think about it. la di
4: This is Radio Labor. May 3rd is World Press Freedom Day, a day set aside by the United Nations to remind people of the importance of a free press and the rights of journalists. Since the beginning of the year, 14 journalists and media staff have been killed while performing their duties. To find out more about the importance of a free press and respect for journalists, I spoke to Jeremy Deer. Mr. Deer is the Deputy General Secretary of the International Federation of Journalists. The IFJ was established in 1926. It is the world's largest organization of journalists representing media professionals who are members of 187 unions in more than 140 countries. Radio Labor's primary journalists are members of the IFJ through their union, Unifor. I asked Mr. Deere if the situation for journalists since the last press freedom day has improved or worsened
6: think we'd say it's worsened. Not only were more journalists killed last year, but more journalists were jailed than in previous years. We had more recorded cases of harassment of violence against women we have increasing numbers of reports of journalists carrying out self-censorship because of fear for their life and at the same time we have impunity levels which are still 90 percent or above in some countries they simply are a hundred percent and you add to that the fact that more and more people's work is more precarious and there's clearly a very difficult situation for journalists in lots of parts of the world. And whereas in previous years we said, well, this happens in far-flung dictatorships, it doesn't happen in Europe or the United States or Australia, now... Journalists are killed in the United States, journalists are killed in member states of the European Union, journalists are jailed in Australia. And so we have a situation where press freedom is under threat in all parts of the world. So clearly the situation has got worse.
4: The IFJ has called for a UN Convention to protect journalists. What is a UN Convention and why is it needed? How would it help protect journalists?
6: First thing to say is, it is not, in and of itself, it will not be the one thing that protects journalists. It is part of a holistic approach to trying to address questions of impunity, questions of safety and protection of journalists. But at the moment, there are important weaknesses in both human rights and humanitarian law And there is nothing that recognises that attacks on journalists' life or their physical integrity have an impact on the public's right to information and contribute to a decline of democratic control, that there is a systemic effect of attacks on journalists. And that is what makes journalists target it is in order to silence and so while at the moment journalists enjoy the same protection as other civilians during conflicts and so on they are much more targeted on account of the work that they do and we believe that the time has come to have a specific instrument dedicated to the safety and protection of journalists that would create an obligation on states to protect journalists against attack to protect them against arbitrary arrest, to protect them against forced disappearances and kidnapping, an obligation to carry out effective investigation, to bring perpetrators to justice, and in the context of armed conflict, the obligation to treat media workers and media facilities as civilians and therefore as illegitimate targets. And it would recognise the distinctiveness of journalists stemming from the risks to which they're routinely exposed and the value of journalistic work to society. And would provide mechanisms for not just the victim, which is the situation at the moment, but for a wider group of people. So it could be community organizations, it could be political organizations, it could be unions, it could be other individuals to raise complaints through a UN mechanism about the impact of attacks On journalists of how it's leading to self-censorship and a lack of information so I mean we, we believe it's an important step but it has to go hand in hand with employers taking more responsibility for making sure their journalists have the right equipment that they are properly trained that they have the right insurance and support mechanisms when they are either in conflict zones or investigating stories.
4: If we cared more for each other, millions of new jobs could be created. Marie Ainsborough reports.
7: The key to increasing employment for both women and men is to build an economy based on the provision of care services. That is the central message of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC is the global body which represents national trade union centers such as the AFL-CIO in the United States and the Ghana Trades Union Congress. The need for a care economy was explained by Lee Tuvera at a recent conference of the UN's International Labour Organization, the ILO. Ms. Tuvera is the ITUC's gender specialist for the Asia-Pacific region.
8: I know you've probably read or heard it many times. The future is female. But what does it mean exactly when working families, particular women, are facing multiple care responsibilities? when they're penalized for demanding more flexibility or for taking advantage of flexibility options, when they are systematically driven out of their jobs by staggering costs of childcare or difficulties of getting childcare, when childcare costs are rising and yet childcare providers, which are mostly women, are some of the most lowest paid workers in the world. What are women who are trying to create a better future for their families and children, these are the same people we put our hearts, hopes and aspirations on as the key builders of society and the community are supposed to do in these situations. I feel that things don't have to be this difficult. The trade union movement recognizes that it makes a lot of sense to invest in care and so it organizes its work around the care economy. A research uh, commissioned by the International Trade Union Confederation in 2006 looking at the employment growth potential in the care economy in seven OECD uh, countries, including Australia and Japan, found both economic and social benefits in investing in care. It will create millions of jobs, it will reduce the persistent gender employment gap. it will contribute to realizing gender equality in human development. And what could be more better than this? The economists from the Women's uh, Budget Group who did a study um, using an advanced simulation looking at the employment impact of investing equivalent of 2% of GDP into social infrastructure of education, health and social care services, particularly childcare and elderly care, found that if you invest in care, it would actually generate over 21 millions of jobs. It would also increase overall employment by around 2.4, if I'm not mistaken, to 6.1, depending on the country. Around 59 to 70% of those directly created jobs will be taken up by women, but beyond this there are other employment multiplier effects, in particular raising the overall male employment from 1.4 to 4% in different countries. So, in short, having the right kind of investment can actually turn the social crisis on care around. Not only it would increase uh, women's employment, but at the same time, it will unlock the economic potential of women who cannot access employment simply because they have to perform unpaid care work for their families, children, and the sick. Well, the solutions don't even need to be so, co- so complicated. We urgently need family-friendly work uh, policies to support women in their child caring and career years. We need support and more support for, for working families in order for them to manage, plan the work and everyday life. We need high-quality, affordable childcare and early childhood opportunities. Imagine, If you have more women who are actually holding seats, not just at the table, but in leadership, there is no limit on what they can contribute and achieve collectively.
7: An extended version of Ms. Taveras' presentation is available on the Radio Labour website at www.radiolabor.net.
4: Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder.
9: Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of union news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the arrest on May Day of the leader of the Trade Union Congress of Fiji and his eventual release and many, many other happier May Day events around the world. With news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries, here are just a few highlights. Gas workers in Uruguay stopped work and started a hunger strike outside their employers' offices. Fuel transport drivers staged a three-day walkout in Tunisia to demand payment of a previously agreed-to wage increase. Prison guards in Belgium walked off the job to protest their working conditions. Many of the workers waved uniform pants rather than picket signs to make the point that they have not been able to get replacement uniforms for eight years. When the eight activists who had been leading a simultaneous unionization and anti-casualization effort by the workers building a new metro system in India were fired, their comrades began an open-ended strike in an effort to win their reinstatement. Airport workers in Belgium, unhappy about the lack of progress at the bargaining table, showed up for work 20 minutes late on Monday, causing a ripple effect across dozens of European airports. In Gabon, taxi drivers parked their cars and vans on Monday in a national protest against police extortion. American symphony orchestra workers picked up their instruments as their wage strike ended this week in a victory. A wage dispute at the Haitian Ministry of Trade and Commerce threatened to bring the country's garment industry to a halt as exports of clothing stopped. A 59-day strike at one Mexican university ended on the weekend, whilst an even longer one continued with no end in sight. Our top working women's stories included coverage of a significant pay equity victory for Canadian nurses, why unions can be the best defense against sexual harassment in the workplace, and progress in the global effort to organize domestic workers. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazard's magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about how the silicosis epidemic in Australia only garnered government attention when employers began complaining about a shortage of stonemasons, how Google managers are retaliating against the organizers of a global walkout against sexual harassment last year, and the struggle for safer South African mines. Currently, Labor Start is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor.
4: Now, here is Michael Roos with Solidarity.
5: Yo, I've been hearing a lot of trash talk about unions Saying these ain't the friends to be choosing Out for themselves, not for others You might have heard unions ain't good for your health, brother Well, let me spit it for you, got something to say It's because of unions, we got an eight-hour workday This ain't no commercial break, my friend Unions are the peeps who brought you the weekend Probably never think about it, la di Unions fought hard for your right to party They're out there to ease your tension With decent wages, health care, and pensions Now it's like unions blame for bad weather But tell me what's wrong with solidarity forever I wanna shout it on high and get it off my chest The story here is fighting for those who have less So when unions are bad guys in the propaganda war Think what they've done, where they stand, who they fight for
4: And that's it. International labor news you can use. You can find our feature stories and daily newscasts at www.radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
1: Okay, that was our uh, world labor report. Every week we present that as a service to you and to let you know that you're never alone when you stand up for yourself and your fellow worker. We, I didn't identify, we we played our opening and I referred to it, so we had let off with Mm, pardon me. We had let off with the Internacional by a Chinese workers' chorus. Then we had the Slaves of Toil, a song by the great Irish poet and songwriter J.H. Connolly. More about him in a minute. And we had La Bamba Rebelde, the song by Las Cafeteras that celebrates their chicanismo. Because we have holidays, we have Cinco de Mayo, we have Easter, have International Workers' Day and where it came from. Let's start with Easter. The Easter Rebellion was organized by a small group of of, uh, Irish patriots and politicians and labor leaders And uh, the point was to take over the post office and from there spread the resistance out, the resistance against the uh, occupying English police. Occupation, that's a big theme today as we talk about Cinco de Mayo too. Um... So for one reason or another, the uprising fizzled. The leaders went and took over the post office and for several days held out, but they were without much community support. A common criticism of this movement is that they didn't connect to the local population and that most people thought of them as kind of an intellectual elite uh, even though Connolly, people like Connolly, had been uh, organizing workers in both the U.S. and in Ireland, but so the uprising was uh, put down. The leaders, the leaders, were uh, imprisoned and killed. By firing squad Um, except for one a man named Eamon de Valera who was an American citizen I believe and uh, for that reason the United States intervened and he was saved from the gallows from uh, firing squad so after that poem was written, the great Irish poet William Butler Yeats wrote this following poem. It's called Eastern 1960.
6: Some life that. Let's see what we got here. So while at the moment journalists enjoy the same protection as others... Have.
1: Uh-oh. i like radio labor's starting over again. met them at close of day, coming with vivid faces, from counter or desk, among gray, eighteenth-century houses. I have passed with a nod of the head and polite, meaningless words, or have lingered a while and said, polite, meaningless words. Being certain that they and I, but lived where motley is worn. All changed. Changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. That woman's days were spent in ignorant goodwill. Her nights in argument until her voice grew shrill voice more sweet than hers than when young and beautiful she rode to Harriers Batman had kept a school and rode on our winged horse as other his helper and friend was coming into the force he might have won fame in the end so sensitive his nature seemed so wild and mature his thought This other man I had dreamed a drunken, vainglorious lout. He had done most bitter harm to some who are near to my heart. Yet I number him in my song. He too has retired his part in the casual comedy. He too has been changed in his turn. Transformed utterly. Beauty is born. Hearts with one purpose alone through summer and winter seem enchanted to a stone, to trouble the living stream horse that comes from the road the rider the birds that range from cloud to tumbling cloud minute by minute they change shadow of cloud on the stream changes minute by minute a horse hoof slides on the brim and a horse plashes within it and long-legged moorhens dive and hens to moorcock's call minute by minute they change the stones in the midst of it all too long a sacrifice can make a stone of the heart oh when may it suffice That is heaven's part, our part to murmur name upon name as a mother names her child when sleep at last has come on limbs that had run wild. And what is it then but nightfall? Oh no, not night, but death. Was it needless death after all? For England may keep the faith with all that is done and said. We know their dream enough to know they dreamed and are dead. And what if excess of love bewildered them till they died? I write it out in a verse. McDonough and McBride and Connolly and Pierce. Now and in time to be wherever green is worn. All changed, changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. Okay, that was Easter 1916 Good by William Butler Yates celebrating the six Irish nationalists who tried to foment a rebellion. Later on, the Irish people did rise and fight and uh, were able to gain control of at least most of their country, at least most. Of most of their country. Ireland tragically is still divided, result ultimately of Western colonialism. Easter 1916 by William Butler Yeats. Let's move on here. I've got a couple of uh, explanatory. Read this one about the Haymarket Riots. This is from uh, Chicago. That's where it took place. Chicago Public Television
10: police riot. Others said it was a work of anarchists. The controversy has gone on since 1886 when the Haymarket incident in Chicago's West Loop left 12 people dead, including eight policemen. What began as a peaceful rally turned into, the one of the, turned into one of the bloodiest days in Chicago history. Tomorrow is the 125th anniversary of the Haymarket Affair. A number of years ago we detailed the Haymarket story and here's Elizabeth Brackett with another look. This is the site of the first dynamite
7: bomb ever thrown in peacetime. The explosion would resonate for decades and become a defining moment in labor history and American justice. Someone to this day unknown threw the bomb as police tried to disperse a peaceful labor rally. When it was all over, the death toll would climb to 12, eight of whom were policemen. Haymarket Square is a stretch of Randolph Street that widens from Des to Halstead in what is now the West Loop. Long ago, it was a thriving outdoor market with a trolley line running through the center of the street. In the 1880s, Chicago was the fastest-growing city in the world. There was a tremendous building boom following the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. But a huge influx of immigrants created a surplus of workers, keeping wages low and hours long. There was a huge disparity between Chicago's haves and have-nots.
10: In Chicago, uh, you had Prairie Avenue, which was known as Olympus of the Great Gods of Chicago. And you could go two blocks away and you could see poverty. And so when the poor could see how the rich lived and see those differences, then that made it very obvious that there was a need for great change.
7: On May 1st of 1886, workers around the country went on strike to protest hours and wages. In Chicago, 80,000 demonstrators marched down Michigan Avenue to demand the workday be reduced from 12 to 8 hours. Chicago police were on edge. That spring, there had been dozens of confrontations between police and labor activists, and more than 100 strikes. On May 3rd, strikers outside the McCormick Reaper Works on the south side jeered their non-union replacements. The police arrived, and after clashing with the strikers, opened fire on the crowd, killing two people. The following night, on May 4th, a hastily arranged rally was held to protest those shootings. Organizers of the Haymarket rally had hoped for 20,000, but less than 3,000 people showed up. A once beautiful evening had become overcast a cold wind blew in off the lake. The crowd dwindled to a few hundred. A special police force of 176 men began marching upon the crowd. The crowd was ordered to disperse. Moments later, witnesses saw a hissing bomb in the air. Then, mayhem.
10: The only street light had been blown out by the blast. And uh, and of course, with it looking like it was gonna rain, it was a very dark night. And the police just panicked.
11: They were just shooting aimlessly. Scores of people were injured. A a riot certainly did break out of shooting and clubbing and fighting. Uh, There's some dispute of who shot the most and at whom, including whether the police themselves, quite understandably, started shooting their guns every which direction.
7: Some of the injured policemen lingered for days before dying. In the days following the Haymarket bomb, police arrested hundreds of suspects, raiding offices and homes without search warrants. Eventually eight men would be brought to trial. Six of them weren't even at the rally when the bloodshed began. Two others were on the speaker's wagon in full view of witnesses. But the Haymarket eight all had one thing in common. They were anarchists.
11: These people were tried and some of them hanged for their ideas as much as for their D- any deeds.
7: The defendants were put on trial for conspiracy to commit murder through their words, acts, and deeds.
11: They were largely in many ways they had middle, what we would call middle-class fathers. They're educated, articulate men for the most part. Some of them self-employed, but they felt there was tremendous injustice in America. In some ways they, they argued that, again, they stood for the true America.
7: All eight were found guilty, even though the identity of the bomber was never proven.
11: Uh, The prosecution admitted that it couldn't name the person, uh, which makes the whole case very, very vexed, because if you can't say who threw the bomb, how can you prove that that person was provoked to throw the bomb by these people who were indicted uh, for causing it to be thrown?
7: Seven of the defendants were condemned to death. Two would ask for mercy, and their sentences were commuted to life in prison. The youngest defendant, 21-year-old Louis Ling, was found dead in his cell the day before his scheduled execution. He apparently committed suicide by igniting a dynamite cap in his mouth. Those executed included Albert Parsons, considered by many to be the leading revolutionary in Chicago. Parsons was editor of The Alarm, the English-language newspaper of the anarchists. His wife, Lucy Parsons, believed to be a former slave, would become an important voice for labor reform and the rights of women. Also executed was August Spies, the editor of the German anarchist newspaper, Arbeiter Zeitung. Shortly before his execution, while in jail, he married a young debutante named Nina Van Zandt. She had first seen the handsome, articulate Spies during the
10: trial. She, like many debutantes, sat up on the Uh, bench with uh, Judge Gary. And what he used to do was flirt with these young women, tell them how pretty they were. One one young lady said that he did little, wrote little pictures, told little stories to her, and totally ignored what was going on uh, in the case. Van Zant asked to meet Spees and fell in love,
7: helping him write his autobiography. The jailhouse romance between the anarchist and the heiress made front-page news around the world. Neither she nor Lucy Parsons were allowed to visit their husbands on the day of their execution. The two men were put to death, along with Adolf Fisher and George Engel. During the trial, Chicago newspapers had vilified the defendants and stereotyped anarchists as wild-eyed, disheveled bombers. But after the trial, newspaper accounts focused on family visits to the jailhouse, humanizing the condemned men and causing a groundswell of sympathy for them. An international clemency movement began, supported by the likes of Oscar Wilde and George Bernard Shaw. But the clemency movement met formidable resistance from prominent local businessmen who lobbied for execution.
10: He sons of labor, duty calling, uplift your standard to the sky.
7: Behold the four condemned men sang the workers' Marseillaise before being marched to the gallows in the Cook County Jail. They were hanged to death at noon. Their funerals two days later were the biggest Chicago had ever seen. Crowds estimated at 200,000 people lined the streets to watch the funeral procession as it headed to Waldheim cemetery in Forest Park.
4: There are many folks who know this story who do look upon those, the, the, the defendants, the executed men, as uh, martyrs, martyrs to the cause of the eight-hour movement, for one, and martyrs to the cause of uh, American justice. In
7: 1893, Illinois Governor Altgeld pardoned the three surviving Haymarket defendants, a move that cost him his political career. The day before those pardons, a martyrs monument had been unveiled in Waldheim Cemetery. Since then, it has become a staging ground for countless labor rallies and a number of labor leaders have chosen to be buried in the shadow of the monument, which is etched with the last words from the gallows of August Spies. The day will come when our silence will be more powerful than the voices you are throttling today.
10: Fifty years after Haymarket, President Franklin Roosevelt signed the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938, which put the eight-hour workday into limited practice. One sad note, author and historian William Edelman, who was featured in this piece, died in 2009.
1: Okay, that's the story of the Haymarket 8. And the point of all this is that there was worldwide support for these people who had been jailed. Talk about a kangaroo court. They, the prosecution couldn't couldn't identify who had thrown the bomb. So if they couldn't say who threw the bomb how could they say who didn't how could the defendants defend themselves at any rate the movement to to free the Haymarket 8 developed into a worldwide movement there was a lot of money put up by regular people all over the world To defend them, they were uh, executed. But the idea of a holiday in May, May 1st, became all over the world, became International Workers' Day. In the United States in the 1890s, the government tried to steal that energy and that celebration and move it to September and call it Labor Day. But all over the world, May 1st is International Workers' Day, and it was paid for by the blood of the Haymarket Eight and all the other labor martyrs who died for, among other things, an eight-hour day. We don't remember that. All these things that we take for granted now were won by people's blood okay it's a simple fact these things really happen all right let's have some music Um, the background of the of the poem when I recited the poem of uh, William Butler Yeats the background was a song called Maggot Brain by a Funkadelic. All right.
12: sincero de donde crece la palma yo soy un hombre sincero de donde crece la palma y antes de morir me quiero echar mis versos del alma Guantanamo Guajira, Guantanamera Guantanamera Guajira, Guantanamera Mi verso es de un verde claro y de un carmín encendido Mi verso es de un verde claro y de un carmín encendido Universo es un cierre herido que busquen el monte en paro. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. I'm a sincere man. the land of the palm trees But before dying I wish to pour forth The poems of my soul My verses are soft Soft green But also A flaming red My verses are like wounded fawns Seeking refuge in the forest. I want to share my fate with the world's humble. A little mountain stream pleases me more, more than the ocean. Hey! one.
1: That, of course, was Trini Lopez with Juan Tana Mehta. <clears throat> I want to play something uh, from Leela Downs.
13: de un convento el pueblo madrileño fundó el quinto regimiento venga jaleo jaleo suena una ametralladora y Franco se va a paseo y Franco se va a paseo Con el comandante Carlos no hay miliciano con miedo Venga jaleo, jaleo, suena una ametralladora Y Franco se va a paseo, y Franco se va a paseo Roja del pueblo Venga jaleo, jaleo Suena una ametralladora Y Franco se va a paseo Y Franco se va a paseo Venga jaleo, jaleo Sonaban las ametralladoras Y Franco se va a paseo Se fue a paseo y duró cuarenta
14: Quiere.
6: A mí me gusta el mexicano. Eso es
14: muy bonito. A usted también le gusta. Sí, mucho. Ahora muchachos, vamos a cantar el mexicano. Gracias. Yo soy mexicano, mi tierra es bravía Palabra de macho que no hay otra tierra Más linda y más brava que la tierra vía Yo soy mexicano Y orgullo lo tengo Nací despreciando la vida y la muerte Y si he hecho bravata Y la sostengo <risa> Mi orgullo es ser charro Valiente y bragao Traer mi sombrero con plata bordao Que nadie me diga que soy un rajón Mi caballero, en pelo montado, pero más que todo ser enamorado, yo soy mexicano, muy atravesado. Y por suerte mía, la vida ha querido que por todas partes se me reconozca por mi valentía. Yo
15: soy mexicano, de nadie me pido, y como cortemos cuando estoy sufriendo mejor que rajarme me aguanto y me río.
14: Me gusta el sombrero, ya de la la que tenga cacha de venao, fumar en hojita, trabajo picao, jugar a los gallos, mi apamado, pero más que todo ser enamorado. yo soy mexicana,
1: Okay, I couldn't couldn't resist that one. We we started out well. That last one was the great Jorge Negrete. um, Singing Yo Soy Mexicano from the movie El Peñón de las Animas, 1942, accompanied by a trio, Los Tres Haces, who often played uh, with Jorge Negrete. Before that was Lalo Guerrero, Transplanteme un corazón, Transplant a heart into this woman that I like, so she'll like me. Lila Downs sang about the Quinto Regimento, that was the group of people that correspond to our uh, Abraham Lincoln Brigade who went to fight in Spain during the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s. And Trini Lopez with a signature song of, of uh, people who care about social justice. Uh, Guantanamera, famous poem by Cuban poet José Martí. And why all this? Because it's Cinco de Mayo. It's the anniversary of the day in 1862 when the Mexican army composed of some regular soldiers but a great many uh, campesinos, peasants and regular working people, threw back a French invasion army that outnumbered them three to one. We've got a little, little feature here, the real story of Cinco de Mayo.
3: In the United States, most people celebrate Cinco de Mayo with endless margaritas and guacamole, but, How many of us know exactly what we're celebrating? Many people think Cinco de Mayo is to Mexico what the 4th of July is to the United States.
11: Cinco de Mayo. May? Cinco de Mayo, maybe?
3: Yeah, mm, that's not right. (laughs) Mexican Independence Day is actually on September 16th. So, what makes May 5th so margarita-worthy? The answer traces back to when Benito Juarez became president of Mexico. The country was in financial ruin. They had no money, honey. France saw this as an opportunity to claim Mexican land. The French stormed the eastern port city of Veracruz in late 1861 and eventually forced the Mexicans to retreat. The French then planned to conquer Mexico City by way of a city called Puebla. But Juarez, mm mm-mm. Wasn't having that. He enlisted soldiers to try and stop the French from moving farther inland. Victory seemed impossible for Mexico. They were outnumbered roughly three to one. The French had better weapons. Plus, most of the Mexicans weren't even members of the official army, but that didn't stop them from trying. Led by General Ignacio Zaragoza, they fortified Puebla on May 5th, 1862, and fought back hard. After the dust settled, fewer than 100 Mexicans were killed. The French's toll was about five times greater. Even though the Battle of Puebla didn't win the war, it raised national spirits at a moment in history when Mexico really, really needed it. Today, ahora, Cinco de Mayo represents Mexican pride against all odds, and it should be celebrated. Like with this special margarita inspired by the spirit of El Dia de la Batalla de Puebla. It combines Mexican and French liquor, representing the forces at the Battle of Puebla. In a shaker with ice, you combine tequila Casadores Blanco with St. Germain.
1: Okay, we got into a commercial there. That was the story, though, of Cinco de Mayo. The uh, French invaded, first they took over Veracruz and um, started collecting um, fees custom that boats would come they would have, they paid to the French that was a big source of revenue the port of Veracruz the French took that over then they marched inland and uh, were defeated at the Battle of Puebla later on they returned with more more soldiers and um, took over Mexico City there's this is the story of Maximiliano and uh, Carlotta. Maximilian from the Habsburg Empire, Austria-Hungary. Carlotta, who was originally from Belgium. And there's a film about, with Brian Ahern and uh, Paul Muni as Benito Juarez. And Betty Davis as Carlotta. Um. What does Cinco de Mayo represent? Is it a day just for getting drunk and, like she said, eating a lot of guacamole? No. Cinco de Mayo represents resistance to an occupying external force. Many Chicanos include the police. And looking at the way that police are shooting down young men of color it's not so far fetched is it that battle that battle that was at Cinco de Mayo that battle where the Spanish came to take over Mexico in the 16th century that battle is still going on so celebrate Cinco de Mayo have your drinks have your guacamole. Sing La Cucaracha. You know what that is about. That's another. That's another story. Okay, we're focusing right now on a strike at UNAM. Okay, UNAM is the site of a huge strike in 1999. Great Strike This is in solidarity a socialist feminist anti-racist organization Great strike of the Mexican national UNAM the, the big university which for more than 9 months was occupied by students organized in the strike committee it started on April 20th 1999 and lasted until February 6th 2000 On that date, 2,500 federal police, following orders given by President Zedillo, evicted hundreds of students from the campus and arrested them. Although the focus is now on the implication of Vicente Fox's victory in the presidential election, it is worth reviewing a conflict from which workers and students can learn. Okay, the strike broke out when the university authorities announced they would charge students a free equivalent to $60 per semester, a rise from 20 centavos to 680 pesos. So in other words, there was a free university. And... The university was about to start charging for it. As well as opposing this measure, the students made a number of other demands, which together made up a six-point petition. Repeal the UNAM General statute of Payments, which established the tuition fees. Abandon the reforms, quote unquote, incorporated since 1997. When you hear the word reform in connection with education, most of the time it's a reactionary measure. It's a measure that wants people to pay for public schooling, pay for schooling. Whenever you have to pay for something, there are some people who can afford it, some who can't just like the scandal in the American university system. At any rate, one of the reforms which placed conditions on the right of the student to enter the university automatically on completion of their secondary education. They wanted UNAM to dismantle its repressive internal regime and withdraw the sanctions against UNAM students. Teachers and workers who participated in the strike organize a democratic and binding Congress, break the links between UNAM and Seneval, a private body which set the entry and evaluation tests, recoup every day lost in the strike. After seven months on strike, the students achieved a victory when Francisco Barnes de Castro, the principal of the university, was forced to resign. Check it out. And the reason I bring it up is that because There's another strike now, or at least one that's being threatened now, at UNAM. Okay, let's take a look at the labor beat now. Stop and shop workers vote to ratify contracts, although benefits will shrink for new part-timers. This was a strike we've been referencing the last couple of weeks. On May Day, the last of five United Food and Commercial Workers locals ratified a new three-year contract with stop and shop. And we're reading from Working in These Times at the website. Following a 10-day strike, one of the largest the U.S. private sector has seen in years, workers at Local 1459 in Springfield, Massachusetts, voted overwhelmingly in favor of the new contract in line with near-unanimous approvals by four other locals. The strike began in the week leading up to Easter when 31,000 UFCW union members across New England walked off the job after Stop and Shop said it needed to adapt to market conditions. In other words, we're going to take some of your money to compete with behemoths like Walmart and Whole Foods slash Amazon noting it is the only fully unionized grocery chain in New England, one with a pension plan and above industry wages. The company proposed raising health care premiums, freezing overtime rates for part-time workers who make up 75% of its workforce, and reducing pension benefits for non-vested employees. So this would create a, a two-tiered system. I don't think it's right. It should be all equal, says Mike Landry, an assistant meat manager who worked for 37 years at the Northampton store. The company reportedly lost $90 million and $110 million in sales between 90 and $110 million, or about 3% of its projected profits. At one stop and shop in Northampton, Massachusetts, the supermarket was virtually empty while picketeers held signs outside. The grocery chain also hired temporary truck drivers and warehouse workers after about 1,000 Teamster Union members refused to cross UFCW picket lines. Management had to scramble to get food into stores and trash out the doors. Was it red? No, no. Was it green? No, no. Was it blue? Rabbis across the region told congregation it wasn't kosher to shop at Stop and Shop instead ahead of Passover. Presidential candidates, local elected officials, and customers joined in. Future part-time hires will see frozen overtime pay or reduce pension benefits. But it won't stop me from voting for it, said Davis Morse. We went through hell just to get what we have. The company, the workers got... Stop and Chop gave up its push to force employees' spouses to take any health insurance offered by their own employer. The union said stop and shop kept healthcare affordable with low deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums. The new contracts also hold the line on all sick time, personal days, and paid holidays for current and future employees. New part-time workers won't see time-and-a-half pay on Sundays and holidays, as current employers do. Instead, they'll get a premium, an extra $1.50 per hour the first year, that will grow to a a time-and-a-half rate after three years of employment. The new contracts significantly reduce pension benefits for new part-time hires. While the current part-timer gets 225 per month, after working for 10 years, the new part-timer would get 100. At the end of the day, we had to accept this contract, and it was worth bringing back to the members. But across the country, unionized chains are still on the defensive. There's nothing left of Shaw's, A&P, Pathmark, Wild Bombs, the Walmart bears eating all the union competition. I did this for the other people's children, for my grandchildren. A woman says as she restocks a shelf with cakes. We have got to stop this, putting people in tiny wages with no benefits. So a celebration there, stop and shop won substantial gains and now the question is how to unionize Walmart because here's a report from Forbes magazine Walmart workers cost taxpayers 6.2 billion in public assistance. In other words, the fact that Walmart workers make such a low wage means that they have to go and get public assistance for health care and, and other things. Forbes by Claire O'Connell. Walmart's low-wage workers cost U.S. taxpayers an estimated $6.2 billion in public assistance Including food stamps, Medicaid, and subsidized housing, according to a report published to coincide with Tax Day, April 15th. Americans for Tax Fairness, a coalition of 400 and state level, national and state level progressive groups, made this estimate using data from a 2013 study by the Democratic staff of the U.S. Committee on Education and workforce. So check this out. It's on the Forbes magazine website. On the one hand, Walmart is taking over a lot of the uh, union-based grocery businesses. On the other hand, they're paying their workers so little that it's costing taxpayers who have to pay for public services. Capitalism in action, I guess. I don't guess, I know. Let's see here. Let's see what we got on the list. Here's uh, Francisco Herrera. Trabajo en un hotel.
16: Por eso organizamos nuestra fuerza laboral, para defender. ven
1: US continues to meddle in the internal affairs of any nation in this hemisphere actually any nation around the world whose foreign policy and or leaders we don't like anyone who might even be thinking about socialism the s word the US feels that it has to go stomp them out why Because a white man's got a god complex.
17: So up down on the corner Uptown, I turn around and hear the sound. A voice is talking about who's going to die next. Cause 'Cause the white man's man's got a god God complex. complex. Silent niggas scream for help. Ah nigga make your own. I turn around and hear the sound of jukeboxes playing in bars. Pimps popped outside in big, pretty Cadillac cars. Cleaning in a broke dick dog Sitting in a big fine hog Dressed very fine In a mohair suit fine But Jim dale died next Cause the, the white man's, man's Got a God, God complex God. Hey brother, what's your sport My man, I got just the thing for you Only cost ten and two What you gonna do, baby? I got black ones, brown ones, red ones, yellow ones I even got a white one if you wanna buy some Yeah, that's right two fifty. Play it straight, I got it all worked out Know what I'm talking about Been reading my dream book, ain't no way well, the kid gonna get took Nigga, what you mean I didn't hit? Nigga, you full of shit, licked eyes uh, Now, seven, come on, be nice and hit eleven Well, what do you know, it's Little Joe Hey, my man got $20, say, Little Joe don't blow Ha, ah, baby needs a pair of shoes Ah, papa's got the funky blues Ah, mama plays a with in the news Snake eyes, sorry nigga, you lose the line forms to the real lady And I don't care if you never cash your welfare checks Cause the white man's got a god complex But I got ten babies, I ain't got no man I ain't got no choice but to hold out my hand And feed my young ones the best way I can Hey man, what you mean no doubles on blackjack? You better change that rule, cause I ain't no fool You better be cool, Jim, or you'll die next Cause the white man's got a god complex Hey, my man, uh, I wanna cop a nickel bag Uh, You say, oh, you got a skag, wow, that's a drag, Cause uh, I don't wanna cop no dope is death Next cause the white man's got a god complex Hey, baby, what's the gig at tonight? Well, let's went over at Slicks for faggots and tricks there's one around graveyard side of town that'll cost you a pound But if you go know what I know, you better pack your piece at least Or you'll die next Cause, cause the white, white man's got, got a god, god complex Mr. Stein, I don't paid enough rent for this pad to be mine But you just wanna cheat me cause I ain't your kind Damn, can't you see the place is falling down? No, you can't dig it cause you ain't never round. Damn, I'm so poor, I don't know what in the hell I'ma do anymore Not this day to the next cause the white man's got a god complex i'm making guns i'm god i'm, god. I'm making bombs i'm, I'm god. god i'm making gas i'm, I'm god. god i'm making freak machines i'm god right control pills i'm, I'm god. god kill indians who discovered him i'm god kill japanese with the a bomb i'm god, god. kill and still kill black people i'm god Enslaving I'm God!
1: I'm God! I'm God! I'm God! Got God! Two live show. White men got a God complex.
17: Now when they say one for all and all for one This is exactly what they mean right here Everybody need to take notes on this And just know that it looks so much better When you sticking together
18: Amigos getting about this motherfucker Y'all got him fucked up <laughs> Look at him They sent a couple of them home They all packed their shit up And shut this motherfucker down Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, Mexico, this is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker, huh? Uh, on my mama, all that shit. <laughs> they are not bullshitting. They packed up, yeah, I see, it's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was gonna play with these amigos and they said, oh yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving and they not bullshitting. Take this in, man, look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The SAs, look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And Willie, really, and Billy, really, see this little talking about baby. I swear to God, they got me geeked up. On oh, my Malcolm back shit. On oh, my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed him off, nigga. They said, fuck you, we out. We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow. On oh, my mama. That's great. Look. Ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over. with that nigga. Fuck it. Go to the crib. Go to the casa. Hasta luego, man. Muy bien. Just swear to God. These motherfuckers want to play a You want to get live?
1: Okay, that's it. Of course, that's our Hispanic workers shut down the job. And it's a beautiful idea. <clears throat> First, the commentary is beautiful. The man is so amazed at, and so happy <laughs> that this is happening. He's He sees this as an example for him to, uh, to be. Before that, we had the last poets. The last poets with the white man's got a God complex. And, of course, we do have a president who has a God complex right now. He's messing in Venezuela, but the Venezuelan people are surprisingly resistant to U S. Uh, actually it turns out to be an invasion. We've got a proxy guy who's going to give us a good oil deal. And, uh, we don't want any of that Maduro stuff, all, any of that stuff where they say the oil is theirs or anything like that. We can't have that. Uh, the white man's got a God complex. And then we had Trabajo en el Hotel by uh, Francisco Herrera singing about the lives of hotel workers and uh, how they need a union, how the union will protect their dignity and their humanity. This is the Labor and Love Show, and I want to, before we uh, end here, I want to get on to my credo We got our credos here that uh, we sort of follow. I like to keep repeating because they're good short versions of uh, much bigger issues. You're just not that into politics. Talk to some music. This is going, oh, you know what? I'm just not that into politics. Can we watch something else or can we do something else or? Can we talk about something else? So, you're just not that into politics, the SA Los Angeles asked. Just not that into politics? Your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is, and every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. What about immigrants? What should we think of them? Can I tell you a secret, Jesse Memmer says, on Really American? I don't even care if there are undocumented undocumented immigrants in this country. Without Social Security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. Hear, hear. People don't leave Mexico or leave Central America because they don't like it and they want to live in America better, the United States. They leave because they have to, to survive, by and large. They have to come here to earn money to send to their families or bring their families with them. This whole wall, the Illegals BS, is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Instead of realizing the reason they are all poor is due to vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. Use your brains. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. (laughs) You lack money because... Not because there's another poor person there. It's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. Hear, hear, huh? And let's see this one. I think I copied one here about abortion. Well, here's Utah Phillips. Kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mine. They don't have a little sister coughing her lungs out in the looms of the big mill towns in the Northeast. Why? Because we organize. We broke the back of the sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. Those are not benevolent gifts from enlightened management. They were fought for. They were bled for. They were died for by working people, by people like us. Kids ought to know that. That's why I sing these songs. No root, no fruit. Damn it. That was Utah Phillips. There's another one about abortions. The fact if women will keep having abortions. <laughs> abortions come out of personal lives, personal concerns. Nothing that's legislated. What'll happen is there'll be more of those weird, ugly abortions, The hanger in the back room. That's all you're doing when you outlaw abortion, is you outlaw safe abortions. Hear, hear. Anyone who doesn't have control of her body is a slave. It's a pretty simple one. Right now, I think it's about time to get out of here, and uh, I want to remind you that here at Labor and Love in El Meromero, the heart of the Mission District, 2781 21st Street, stay tuned for my buddy Scott Walker and his show, Flat Black Plastic. He hasn't arrived here yet, but we'll see, should make it any minute. And tune in on Wednesday night Tuesday night from six thirty to eight thirty at KWMR in Marin County, Point Reyes for a Brother Charlie's show, Cinema Verite, Charlie Morgan a veteran of forty years, fifty years of songwriting, playing guitar, playing with musicians from all over the world. Dishes his music, Cinema Verite, Musica Verite. Okay, so let's get on here with uh, Kerry Miraji. Lovers. This is the bee saying goodbye. Oh, remember, if one person gets a dollar for what? Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is where you work, you're on the menu. Never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. I love radio.
19: Swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny fm.
21: Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar & Grill. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van Ness. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
0: at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com and experience Subliminal SF.
22: <laughs> it's a cash cow, honey. <laughs> yeah.
19: Billy Bob, you ever wanna be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever wanna be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead pests? Well, oh, sh. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, you before they tell you how to get improvements.
9: No way. What is this nabbit thing called?
19: It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my
9: jokes every Monday from 6 to 8?
19: That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m.
5: at the Mutant Radius.
15: (laughs) Yahoo!
0: Listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows,